you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. So, I was just thinking the other day about how I was introduced into the workaday world. Think back with me. Now, some you might... You might have to think back a little bit longer, so I'll give you a couple more minutes to get there. But remember the first time that you worked, you were excited about working. It's like, man, I got a a job. I got a job. And I think I was like 11 or 12 years old. And I lived lived on St. Simon, so I lived down by the the village down uh, where the, the gift shops were. And I was hired by a gift shop to wash the windows. And so I would ride my bicycle. Now, the thing about my first job, my, my mom had to remind me. My mom's probably watching the, watching the video today. Hi, Mom. I had to do it. All the sports guys do it, right? So um, where was I? She had to remind me when I had to work. And, uh, you know, you need, to, you need to leave now to get there. So, you know... Not knowing what to do or how to do it. You had to learn. You had to learn how to work. And it was tough for me as a 12-year-old because I really took pride in cleaning this glass window at the gift shop. I cleaned it and cleaned it and cleaned it and cleaned it. And somebody said, use newspaper. And so I would squirt the water uh, or squirt, you know, with uh, whatever the the solution and use the newspaper and I get it so clean and looking and because I wanted them to keep me so that and and you really like your first job when you get the first paycheck right it's like wow they're going to pay me to do this and so but I didn't what I didn't like about my first job was after I cleaned the windows there was always within the first 30 minutes a little kid that would come up, you know, I was only 12 years old, but a little six-year-old kid would come up with uh, candy all over his hands and look up on the glass, you know, and, and get it all dirty. And it's like, I don't understand this. They pay me to clean the window, and then 30 minutes later, it's dirty. You know, why don't they just hire me to stay here, and I'll, every 30 minutes, I'll go out and clean the windows. You know, you're, th- what, what, what you're thinking about your first job. You know, we like the rewards, but then the work becomes hard. It's like, really, do I have to go to work? Like, because what I'm doing 30 minutes later is undone. Like, I don't see the purpose in this. But my, you know, my second job was uh, washing dishes. So I kind of (laughs) graduated from cleaning windows to washing dishes. And it was just across... It was down there at the village on St. Simon's, just across the way where they served breakfast. And I would get up early, you know, and get there ready for the dishes. And the dishes would come through, and they would all come through at one time and be piled up. And then, you know, they would push them in so, so fast I couldn't clean them fast enough. If you've ever washed dishes, you've been there, right? And then when you go home, you've got steam all over you. You've got to watch out that you don't push the dishes in there and get burned by the scalding hot water. And then you, when you go home, you're, all your clothes smell like breakfast food, you know? So you're really not hungry. Um, we like the rewards, but do we like the work? You know, we, 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 we want the reward, but do we really want to work do we we grow up being served 
as a baby. And so that's, that's almost second nature to us, to be served. And then you, you see the babies as they grow up, as they're able to walk, then they get heavier as they're growing. And so one year, have you ever seen like a seven-year-old kid and dad's carrying the kid around like this? Like, it's time for you to walk on your own. We grow up so that we can be self-sufficient. And that takes work and that takes effort. But to be served is built in us. So today's word is serve. But what does that word really mean? What does the word really mean? In a restaurant, a server is somebody that wants to do something for you. If it's within their power. You know, your server walks up and says, is, is there anything else that I can get you? And some people make the comment, you know, well, you could get me a, a million dollars. That would be good. It's not really within their power. But their heart is to, to meet your need. Let me do something for you. Maybe it's something that you can do for yourself. You know, you could get up from your table and go get a fork because it wasn't actually on the table. But it's, you're there being served. And so your server gets something for you. Maybe that you could get yourself or maybe that you can't do for yourself. What does this whole concept of serve mean? Because we're instructed by the Lord to serve. And somewhere back in, in all of our past, we've, we've, we've equated this word serve as something that's low, menial. You really don't need a lot of talent, not a lot of intelligence. A server is just somebody that's just like, anybody can do that. But wait a minute. What, what does it mean to serve God? What does, it, what does it mean? This want to, this desire to serve. I want to help you. I believe that, that phrase sums up serving. I want to help you. I want to help you. There's really two reasons why I want to help you. Number one, and the primary reason that we should want to help people is because we know it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. To give is good. To give. We teach our children, again, back to the, the parent-child relationship. We teach our children to give, to share with brother, share with sister, share with your cousins, share with them. And they grow up sharing. That's good. We teach people to help others and to give and to, to do unto others what you would want them to do to you. But the second reason that we want to help is because there's payment. <laughs> there's reward. I've experienced this goodness in the form of a payment. And I want to be paid again. So I'm helping, I'm doing but I'm doing this ultimately because I know that it's going to help me. And so we're constantly analyzing our motives. Let me ask, let me ask you a huge question right here. Let me back off to a 40,000 feet altitude and ask everybody in here, if you didn't get a paycheck, this next payroll, would you do what you do for nothing? 
No. <laughs> Doing, serving, giving, helping. That's what we're talking about today. So, to serve means that we give from the heart, which, which requires an unselfish love. Would you say, like I, like I would say, there's times where I've served and given and done and helped, but it wasn't from true, pure, unselfish motives. I've served, I've done because I thought other people wanted me to do this. Or I've, I, I, I thought that it would gain me a position or a place so that something would come back to me. Guys, we have to be real when we really look at what Jesus said about serving. That's what we're going to do. After we read Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Here's Galatians 5. This is Paul speaking to the church at Galatia. The New International Version says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. This is a real intriguing verse, and, and to take it apart and look at it, you really have to understand what freedom is and what freedom isn't. Freedom is not that we can think, we can do what we want, how we want, if we want, if we don't want. That is a, uh, a fleshly indulgence. I, if I don't want to do it, I don't have to do it. That means my flesh doesn't want to do it, therefore, I don't have to do it. Right? People equate freedom with not having to do anything. <laughs> and Paul is saying, hey, you're free and God wants you to be free, but don't use that freedom to indulge your flesh and say, you know what? I'm free. I don't have to do anything for anybody. Instead, Paul says, use your freedom to serve. Wow. That, that's like a paradox, right? Real freedom is that I desire, because I'm free, to serve God. And I know that as I serve God, I'm going to be asked to humble myself and do something that I don't want to do. Real freedom is knowing that I'm serving God and God's going to ask me to do something that I don't want to do. Now, that's, that's blowing somebody's theology right there because we've been taught in this very popular message today, God's never going to ask you to do something that you don't want to do. <laughs> and we miss, we miss the whole point of serving. We miss the whole meaning of the word serve if we don't want to do what God's asking us to do. And Paul says, don't, let, don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. When you indulge your flesh, you're in pride. If it feels good to my flesh, then I'm just going to indulge. And I'm okay, so you're okay, and I don't have to be concerned about you. And I'll just stay here and you stay there and we'll be good. Look at this other verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 
First Peter 4.10, New International Version says, Each of you should use whatever gift that you've received to serve others. Let me just say this. The gifts that you have, you didn't create. If you're gifted, it, whatever that gift is, you didn't create it yourself. You didn't choose it yourself. There are a lot of counselors back in schools that are trying to assess gift, gift assessments and, and trying to assess what gifts kids have at an early age so that they can use those gifts and be successful in their careers. But where we go wrong is we, we, we tell kids, because kids are smart, right? Yes. And they say, how much do I need to earn to be successful? And when I learn about that, that's what I'm going to choose to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so you, you enroll in school for 16 years and become a, a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer, some other profession that requires years and years and years and years of education and training all to get to the end of it and go, why did I do this? Because I was copying somebody else because I was, some counselor told me that I was gifted in this area. Wow. Who are we serving? What does this have, have to do with serving? Listen. Listen. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others, not yourself, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Your gifts are not for self-promotion or your financial success. And I realize that that's not a popular statement. But that your gifts that God gave you are for serving Others. And serving others is proof that we are faithful stewards of God's grace. And all of us have gifts. And, all, and the, next, the next thing is true. If all of us have gifts, then we all should be serving others. And be faithful stewards of God's manifold grace. God never brags about the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. You never hear. From Genesis to Revelation, he never pats himself on the back and says, look what I've done for you. To point out the fact that our gifts from God should not be self-promoting. They should be for service. Service. What do you do the best? It should be to serve. To serve. Now we're going to look at this, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in John chapter 13. If you'll turn there. This is a situation where Jesus is training, but he's also testing. He, he's, he, he is testing his faith, his love his service, but he's training his disciples. I'm just going to read through the passage and then we're going to point out some some points from this. Beginning in verse 1, John 13. 
It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. I want you to underline that phrase there. He knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Because I believe to serve, this is kind of an an added point after I had put all my notes together. (laughs) I saw this at the last minute. I thought, wow, I get it, Lord. That's the hard thing about studying for a sermon because once you get it down and it's wrapped up and you you go back to it and you're you're going over it and you see something, it's like, I never, I didn't see that before. I got to fit it in. (laughs) Guys, listen. Here's why Jesus was able to serve to the, to, the, to the degree that he was able to serve. It's because he knew that the Father had given him all power. He knew who he was connected to the Father. He knew that he came from God the Father, and he knew that he was going back to God the Father. So he could do what he was about to do. Wow. If you don't get anything else today, get that. In order to serve, you've got to know that you're connected to the Father. That He loves you. We just sang about it, guys, for about 10 minutes here. I am a child of God. 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 Because I'm a child of God, I can serve. I can love the unlovely. I can touch the untouchable. I can go down. Jesus is about to, he's about to go down because he knew he was going to be raised up. He was able to serve one that was about to betray him because he knew where he came from and where he was going to. So good. He knew that he'd come from God and was returning to God, verse 4. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Notice that he didn't check it out with the rest of the guys. Hey, guys, uh, I was planning on washing your feet. Do you think it's a good time to do that right now? No. Jesus had authority. He was their leader. And so he was leading them in love because he was about to sacrifice and wash their stinking feet. Wow. Jesus was in charge but yet he was the servant of all. He was humbling himself to the very form of a servant to wash the feet of those that would betray him, deny him, and doubt him. And I'm talking about Judas Iscariot, Peter, and uh, Thomas. Thomas. So he got up from the meal, took his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Can you hear the pride? I could do, I got myself, Jesus, you don't need, I'm, you know, I'm good. 
Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then, <laughs> then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. So he got it. Good thing he got it, right? That there was connection in this service. There's connection. Jesus is connecting his heart. It wasn't just a matter of him uh, with his hands and the water and the towel washing their feet. He was connecting his heart to their heart so that their heart could be used to serve and connect with other people's hearts. So Jesus answered, verse 10, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, but their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. So he was referring to Judas Iscariot because it says uh, in verse 11, For he knew who was, who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. Verse 12, When he had finished washing their feet... Notice that he washed all their feet. This does not say when he finished washing all of the disciples except Judas Iscariot's feet. All of the disciples that were worthy. All of the disciples except Peter and Thomas and Judas Iscariot. No, he washed all of their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. And then he said this, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That parallels with James. It says you can hear the word, but if you don't do it, you're not going to be blessed. Right? Jesus is teaching them by example. Jesus did this a lot. He would do it, and then he would say, okay, guys, Check this out. This is why I did what I did. Because Jesus doesn't want robots to do what he did. He wants people with his heart to serve, to do what he did, which was serve. So let me tell you this about foot washing. Foot washing is not an ordinance of the church because we don't see it. In the New Testament after that, like we do communion, like we do marriage, like we do baptism, right? So foot washing is not an ordinance of the church. It was an act that Jesus was using to show humility and display that we're all supposed to serve one another. Actually, in the case of ordinary people, the host of the house or the place that they were at furnished the water and the guest washed their own feet. But in richer houses, the washing was done by a slave. And it was looked upon as the lowliest of all services. And so by Jesus doing this with his disciples, he lowered himself below where they were to serve them and show them that he loved them regardless. Regardless. Unconditionally, he loved them. And then he says, okay, guys, now that I've loved you, 
you love one another. Love one another. And it doesn't start and end in washing one another's feet. Right? It was just an act that Jesus used at the moment to show that he took upon himself this humility, servitude. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 in the New Living Translation says this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort in his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in what others, in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Wow. That scripture is tied directly to this act of love that Jesus was doing for his disciples to teach them and help them understand the process of connecting My heart with your heart so that your heart can connect with someone else's heart. Guys, life is better together when we serve one another. I'm not on this earth to serve my own purposes. I'm not here for me. Yes. Are we hearing that this morning? I'm going to talk about three terms that kind of get mixed up. Slave, servant, and bond servant. These terms, slave, servant, and bond servant, appear over a thousand times in Scripture, and they're used in various ways. During the times of Jesus and the first century church, as much as one-third of the Roman populations were slaves, and another third had been slaves earlier in their life. And it was common for free-born men and women to work side-by-side with slaves as street sweepers, dock workers, doctors, teachers, and business Managers, convicted criminals became bond servants of the state and usually died working in the mines or on galleys, on the ships, on the galleys. So the word servant means this, and this is a, di- a dictionary definition of the word servant. An employee who serves someone, some, somebody else, especially an employee hired to do household tasks or be a personal attendant to somebody. And the key word there is hired. That would what we would call a servant. A slave means somebody who is forced to work for someone else for no payment and is regarded as the property of that person. In our American mind in 2019, we automatically go to someone who is captured against their will in a different land and forced to come to America where the master and slave are different races. But see, we're talking about Bible time and how the Bible used the word slave, servant, and bondservant. We were just singing, I'm no longer a slave. God doesn't want slavery. 
He bought us with a price, but He wants us to willingly serve Him. Not under pressure or obligation. He doesn't want robots again, guys. He wants loving people with hearts filled with compassion that move toward people in need that are there to help them. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me open the door for you. Let me, let me help you out of your car. Let me help you. Let, I'm, I'm looking for someone that I can help. Does anybody need help? Anybody need help in here? Because I'm a bondservant of God. And so here's what bondservant means. A slave, bondman, a man of servile condition. A slave, one who gives himself up to another's will. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. One who is devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interest. But if you notice in the New Testament, Paul, Peter, and Jude all called themselves a bondservant. They use this term. And here's what they meant. I am bound to Jesus to serve his purposes, and this is how I can give to others. This is the only way that I can give to others, because I'm bound to Jesus to serve his purposes. And because I'm bound to him, and I'm listening to his command, I will do whatever for whoever. Whatever for whoever. It doesn't matter what you self-identify as. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. I'm going to do for you like I would do for Jesus because I'm bound to Jesus. I'm a bond servant filled with the love of God, not prejudice, not judging whatever you need. I'm here for you. Serving one another. Serving one another. There's, there's, there's nouns and verbs that are used with this, this word to serve and Slavery, and I mean, you could, do, you could do a whole series on this word serve. So it goes very, very deep. But I like to sum it up like this. It's a physical act of humility, in this instance, by Jesus, who actually, when he performed this, he cleansed their hearts of selfish ambition. He killed their pride. And he taught them the power of love and forgiveness. I say that Jesus taught his disciples the power of love and forgiveness because as he was washing the feet of Judas Iscariot, there was forbearance there. There was forgiveness there. There was forgiveness for a sin that he had yet committed. Jesus, so full of love, so full of compassion could not keep himself from washing the feet of Judas Iscariot because he had predetermined in his mind, I know who I'm connected to, I know where I'm going, and I know my Father has given me the authority in my hands to do this. So I have to show my disciples this love so they can get it and be connected with me so that they can go and do what I just did. Do you see that? It's so powerful. I think we back away from serving because we just don't see the power in it. But when we get ourselves out of the way and we do something, and we've all been there, we do something in the middle of what we're doing, we're like, why am I doing this? I don't even know this person. 
Have you ever done that? You turn back around and you're like, I just, I just sense that this, this server, this, this server needs $20 tip. I've never, I've never given a $20 tip. I, I, I but, but I can't keep from it. I've, I've got to go do it. I, I don't. Filled with compassion to do something that you wouldn't normally do. Takes you out of yourself and puts you in this realm of being used by God to help somebody. Anybody need help in here? Are we called to live together? Are we called to serve one another? Are we doing that? How good of a job are we doing? Here's how we connect to the heart. Number one, we purpose. Here's three points here. Everybody, people that like points have to, we have to have these points here. I'm one of those. <laughs> give me the points, Pastor. Give me the points. Number one, you have to purpose. How to connect to the heart? You have to purpose. Purpose. Jesus was always moved by compassion because he knew he was connected to the Father and he knew that he was serving the Father as he did everything. That's why the New Testament can say, do your work as unto the Lord, not as to men, as man pleasers, because your reward comes from above. Everybody say above. above. Your reward comes from above. That's why we don't need to be men pleasers or woman pleasers, right? Because our Father is watching us. And when we serve Him and we do what He wants us to do and we're connected to Him, then we have the right motives. None of the disciples earned Jesus washing their feet. It wasn't like Jesus announced a week before. Now, the, the best disciple at the end of this week will get a foot washing from me at the Last Supper. <laughs> like, like we do to the kids. Like, whoever's the quietest in the class, we're going to give this reward at the end of the week. All the little <laughs> stars... All of the, you earned this and you earned, none of these disciples earned a foot washing from Jesus. Which shows that he loved every one of them equal. And I'm sure there was one out of the bunch that had some real stank in their feet. I mean, their feet was just really stinky. Right? But Jesus did it. He did it. His motive was love. Everybody say his motive motive was love. love. His love was so great that he still washed the one that had betrayal in his heart. So check this out. When you serve with a humble heart, it breaks down the walls. It broke down the wall of pride in Peter. Like that. So maybe you're listening today and, and you're dealing with somebody in your relationships and, you, and you, you sense this resistance from them. And they're just a hard cookie to, 
to crack. There's just, <laughs> they just resist every, every good thing that you would do. But, but purpose, purpose, number one, purpose in your heart. Before you see them, purpose to serve. Serve them from your heart. Not trying to get anything from them. Not, not trying to break that wall down. Just serve them as you would Jesus. When you see their face, see the face of Jesus. You have to use your faith to do that, right? You have to serve them like you would serve Jesus. I am predetermined to make myself available. Every morning I wake up, Lord, I'm not here for myself. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm your servant. I'm your bond servant. You tell me where to go, what to do, what to say, and I'm there. If I need any supplies, I know because you're faithful. You'll give me the supplies to provide. If you tell me to cut loose with everything that's in my wallet right now, I'll do it. You tell me to stroke a check for any amount, I'll do it because I know that you're faithful and you would never ask me to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. That's what Jesus said. Look what I've done. Now go do it yourself. This one little point here, this kind of a side point. It's easy for us to identify with the royal priesthood of Jesus. But it's just as necessary to identify with the humble, self-sacrificing servant that he was. Right? You can go out on the internet. You can pull up YouTube. You can see how many hits a sermon like who we are in Christ gets. And then a title that's like serve like Jesus gets. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Who we are in Christ is going to be two and a half million. How to serve like Jesus, about 100,000, you know. But we need, we need to see how powerful this is and how important it is in our life. Number two, Jesus not only purposed, but he acted, he took the lead. Jesus made himself the example. He didn't ask for permission from the guys. Okay, do you think this is a good time? Should I do this now? I've been planning to wash your feet. So if everybody's comfortable in the house, then we'll do this. No. He's like, hey, this is, this is necessary. And Peter said, no, 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 Lord, no. I got this. I'm surprised Peter didn't say, you know, I, something else, you know. Some other excuse. But Jesus did it. He acted on that compassion in his heart. And he did the same for each disciple. The Lord will never ask us to do anything that he hasn't already done himself. Which means love the unlovely. Touch the untouchable. Pray for those that persecute you. And love those that reject you. When we serve one another, we're connecting to their heart, whether you see it or whether you don't. When you move with compassion towards someone that has hatred in their heart to you, you're still connecting to their heart. The third thing that happened as Jesus' heart connected to his disciples was that there was a connection. Love is seen and experienced when we serve, when we give. 
anybody can talk, but how many of us actually act on that God idea that comes in the moment where we know we should go the extra mile, do that thing that the Lord is prompting us to do, to serve, to serve, to give, to connect with someone. Serving connects. And when you serve from the heart, people around you see your heart. They, 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 they may stand and observe you and go, wow, how does that person do that? I mean, they didn't, they didn't even know that person. They helped them, and they didn't know them. People are attracted to those that serve from their heart. Have you ever noticed that? When, when something happens in a public setting and, and somebody falls and the first person that rushes over there to pick them up, maybe it's a, it's a small, frail woman, but then another person goes, wow, she can't pick that guy up because he's probably 300 pounds. I've got to go help her. People are attracted to people who are moved to help. When you begin to move and help and connect with people, people will come to help you help them. People love to help you help others. When we serve, that's what happens. We all come up a level. Hey, this is worthy. This is great. This is awesome. When we give of ourselves and we're not thinking about ourselves and we're, we're, we're being a help, we're blessing someone, we're connecting to someone because they need, they're in need. We can see that. So the last point is go and do. And that's what Jesus said. Whatever you've seen in me, now go and do. John 13, 14 he, he said this. I want to read it again. We've read it before. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I've, I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So this is what Jesus was saying. Hey, you just saw the lesson. Put yourself in my place. Put yourself in my place. Since I just served you, now you should serve one another. All of the things that you've learned from me these past three plus years, as you've walked with me every day, 365 days out of the three, and a, three plus years, out of all of those things that you've seen, Lazarus being raised from the dead, miracles and signs, this is the greatest. And here it is in John chapter 15, verse 12 through 17. This is what Jesus said. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friend since I have told you everything that the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love one another. He says it again after he gives us so many powerful points. He says, this is my command. Love one another. And in order to love one another, connect with one another, and serve one another, 
and give to one another. We have to have that supernatural love from the Father. We're not saved to sit or sleep. We're saved to serve. And God's called us as a body to connect with each other, to recognize what people need. You don't need the pastor to stand up and say, okay, I'll find somebody that has a need and meet it. (laughs) Right? The way the body grows is, hey, I'm aware of something and God's given me something to help this person. It's so great when the body starts growing and giving and serving and doing and connecting and I don't have anything to do with it. I'm telling you, it thrills me to hear stories of how God is connecting and right now God is connecting our body and and just ways that you can't even keep up with. That's the way it should be. That we, we minister to one another out of love, the love of God. The love of God. Serving one another like we serve Christ. As we serve Christ. Because we would do it for Christ, I'm going to do it for you. Because he did it for me. And I know this. I must do it for you. I can't help myself. I'm so filled with his love that it's got to go somewhere. I can't sit at home on the sofa watching NFL football all season. I got to get up. I got to go. I got to turn that, I got to turn that program off. I, I got to set this device down. I got to go find somebody, face, have some FaceTime and some, some hands-on. The world is starving for eyes, FaceTime, and hands. When Jesus comes back, he don't want to catch us just reading our little Bible plan on our device. We read it so we can get up and so we can go and do. Right? And he told his disciples when he was there. He said, guys, lift up your eyes. Look, the fields are wide unto harvest. So make yourself one of those that are going to harvest. But at the same time that you're going to harvest, pray for the Lord of the harvest to raise up those harvesters. How do we harvest? By doing the works of Jesus. What are the works of Jesus? Just serving people, just loving people. I'm doing this because I don't want you to come to my church. You know, a lot of churches have this campaign, just go out and love people, but then tell them to come to our church. No, be a Christian. You're not, carrying, you're not carrying our brand. You're carrying Jesus' brand. When we, lift them, when we lift him up, he draws all people to him. Come on, guys. We've, we've, we've been sucked into this vacuum of marketing so much, we think that everything has to be marketed. No. The love of God is too big to be marketed. <laughs> Come on now. I know I'm romping on some religious strongholds here. He wants us to to share his love. And listen, if people are hurting and they've been helped by you, they'll they'll say, "Where, where does this come from? They'll ask you, you know, I know I need to be in church. Where do you, where do you go? Where do you go to find this love? 
did we learn from Jesus this morning? Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.